All right, everyone, welcome back to the Philippine X American Stories podcast. We here want to better understand the different aspects of the Philippine X American diaspora. We cover topics such as but are not limited to history, community, and Philippine X American culture. And it is your host, your boy, Alfredo. We have another amazing episode for you today. We have episode three for this season, the season of the artist. And our guest for this week is Hannah Bernabe, aka HB Photos. This was such an amazing conversation, and then I, this is something that I'm going to be saying for basically every single episode for this season because every single episode has been a very amazing conversation. But yeah, Hannah is a content creator, a photographer, a visual artist, and also the host of her own podcast, the How You Doing podcast. And some of the stuff that we talked about was just so amazing. And like one of the biggest takeaways that I got from uh, this conversation that we had was how. She, she gave a little bit of an insight about what it's like to be on a, a photo shoot set and everything. And I'm just like, yo, this is like a, I don't know, it's just like a mini event. Like everyone's contributing to like their own thing. And it's just like, yo, this is, this is just amazing to hear this from someone that's like, that's been in it for like quite a while now. And I'm just like, yo, this is, this is really amazing. And I'm happy that she brought it up. Some of the other things that we brought up in this, um, this episode is how she's been adjusting with like COVID, how things have been, I don't know, just how she's been adapting, what, how her podcast has been and just like a lot of different things and everything. And I hope that people will get something out of this conversation and just go off on that. Like the last uh, thing that we talked about was in the little advice section and it was, or the question was, uh, what is some advice you could give to someone that is just starting on their craft, whatever discipline that may be. And, yeah, some of the stuff that Hannah brought up, like throughout this episode, and it kind of brought the episode uh, full circle, was that, it, yeah, something just about what Hannah was saying was just like very resonating to me, and, and it's one of those things where I'm definitely gonna be taking uh, this on, but I'll let y'all like hear it for yourself and just get the vibe from it, and I just gotta say it was like some amazing advice that I hope someone will take out of it. And with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Here is episode three. All right, welcome back everyone. For this episode, we have another amazing guest. Uh, this person is a photographer, a content marketer, and an overall visual storyteller. We have Hannah, AKA HB Photos. Hannah, can you introduce yourself and how are you doing today? Hi everyone. Like Alfredo said, my name is Hannah. I am a photographer, a content marketer, now a podcaster. Um, currently, I'm doing all right. My morning is kind of starting and going well nicely. So thanks for that. Oh, okay. So I think the like I, we mentioned this like off um off like recording and everything. And I think the first time I saw any of your work was from like shoots from other people from I think it was people from KP, right? Yeah, people from KP that you're taking photos of. I'm just like, oh, this is dope. But then. I think after like a few years um, when I think you were with your current roommate and then I saw some photos of her on her Instagram, that's when I really started digging deeper into like your content. And I'm just like, oh, this is some like really dope stuff. And then I came to realize, I'm like, oh, it's you. You were the one like that's been doing like all these photos for like everyone within like the, the spaces that I've been with people that I've known. And I'm just like, oh, this is really tight. Yeah, I mean, in terms of photographing people in the community, uh, I've really worked with amazing people, um, both in the San Diego community and the Los Angeles community, where I'm originally from. And, you know, it's interesting to see where the connections will lead. Um, as a photographer, you're really fo focused, excuse me, on you know, just doing the gig, taking the photos. But I think as you grow and realize the importance of connections, you kind of get to see all the dots that are connected. So like you said, you know, I, I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for my current roommate and for the power of the internet and just connecting people and especially right now that everyone is really focused on connecting online. 
Oh, 100%. Like, I don't know, something about like visual storytelling when it comes to like photos and videos, it's just like you, you never know who you're going to come across, especially with all the networking that's done with it. Absolutely. So I'm curious. So what is like your origin story with like this, like craft? I mean, we're going to talk more about your podcast a little bit later, but let's focus on like your photography and like content marketing. Like how did you get started with like these kinds of art forms? Sure. So in terms of photography, I think um, my family has always said that photography is in, in my blood. My maternal grandfather was actually a studio photographer way back in the day in the Philippines. And I would get stories of his studio, you know, like the ones with those old school cameras with a little birdie thing. Um, so we have photos that he's taken of my mother and her siblings. And it's been really cool to see that being passed down. And interestingly enough, I actually have one of his cameras with me. Um, I still have to get it fixed somehow. But my interest in photography was, you know, very early on. Um, in high school, the first kind of like prized possessions that I had was a digital camera back when I was 18. And from then on, I was just taking photos, you know, at school paper of my friends, my family and such. And as I was kind of ending college, you know, I'm thinking about where I wanted to go. I think it was always like an automatic thing. I was like, oh, like photos will always be there. I'll take photos um, anytime, you know? So that's kind of been my journey with photography. As for content marketing, I think that's kind of where the college experience came in. Uh, my major was in political science and communications. And I definitely leaned into the communications aspect in terms of my professional career. So with content marketing, that was just kind of a, like an unquote day job thing. And that's kind of been very consistent in the recent years in terms of my work. Hopefully that answers but, your question. <laughs> oh no, 100%. But it seems like there's some, there's a lot of intersection when it comes to doing like photography and doing like content marketing. It just seems like it, it fits so well together with like your day job as well as like your, your side hustle and everything. Or like your, I mean, your business. Oh yeah. I always say that photos and content always will go hand in hand in marketing you know, you can have all of this amazing, well-written out copy, but if you don't have intentional imagery that goes along with it, the message won't come across as effectively as you want it to. So there's always like this um, hand-holding when it comes to photos and content. You know, with photography, I wouldn't be able to take photos for an agency, for example, if I don't have a good, you know, concise pitch, a mood board you know, key messaging that the agent will say, all right, let's do it. I'll, you know, I'll have you test with my model. So I've definitely been lucky in a sense that I have had the natural interest in photography. And then I have the, you know, educational training and professional experience with content marketing that, you know, currently it's just kind of like this happy marriage where I can integrate content and photos into, you know, one effective message. I, I love that because there's a lot more intention and a lot more impact when it comes to photos. I mean, like you were saying, it's like it, it when you're doing or if someone gives you a pitch or like someone gives you like, let's say, let's say going to advertising and everything. If there's no photo, it's kind of just like, oh, you're kind of just talking the talk instead of like walking the walk. Whereas photos is like it's giving that additional like credibility behind it and everything. Oh, yeah, I think you know, they they can only supplement each other. Like you said, you can have, you know, this whole thing, this whole one pager of what you want this, you know, vision to be. But if you don't have the inspirational images behind it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't click in the mind that your person you're, that you're trying to give the pitch to. And that's really important when it comes to talking to agencies and brands and magazines you you really need to kind of handhold the journey in order for them to 
get what you're trying to say. Mm. So does this go a little bit into like your process with photography? I mean, for content marketing, as well as like your your business HB photos, like how does how, how does that look like in terms of uh, your process creating those kinds of images? Because I know like you've done a lot of, um, what was it? You've done like brand work. You've also done some stuff for other people's businesses. Like you've taken their photos. Like what what goes on in your head when you're like creating those like images? For me, it's it's like a puzzle. So for example, if I have a, a client meeting, and I already know what they're about because I've done a little bit of Instagram stalking. So it, it kind of creates this little puzzle in my head. Where it's like, okay, what's missing in their brand that I could bring to elevate it for? Does it need to have, you know, effective imagery? Does it need to have imagery and content? Um, does it need to have a little bit of both? Do I need to bring in a team? You know, do I need to bring in, say, like, a more experienced copywriter or a graphic designer and things like that. What are things that I could bring into the table and what are also things I could bring other people in so I could help them as well. So my process as I've kind of grown into it has always been what can I do, but what can I also do to bring in other people so everyone else can eat? Um, So that's just been a really interesting process for me and something that I've just come to learn and be really excited about because um, it it really generates community for me so oh I I love that well mainly because I didn't realize how calculated a lot of these like shoots for you were it's kind of just like you're, you're connecting the dots of just like okay how is this going to work for this specific shoot like do I need someone to like assist with lighting do I need someone to like do like graphic design like you were saying like it's just kind of like how can I get everyone on this team to contribute best and try to make like the best kind of I don't know kind of result like out of the shoot that you're doing yeah and I think I definitely have that mentality when I do test shoots for agencies So just a little bit of a background, a test shoot is basically a way for you to get to know an agency, get to know their models, but also a way to amp up your portfolio. A good chunk of my content in terms of like, you know, any models and things like that, that is usually a test shoot. And for my test shoots, it can either be, it's just me and the talent, but as time went on and I grew on what I wanted from the test shoot, I would bring in a makeup artist, I would have an assistant with me, I would reach out to different boutiques, and local brands that, you know, that the model can use the clothes for. And as time went on, you kind of realize that, because I'm bringing in all these people, I'm also helping them. So then I start to become really intentional on who I bring in. So for the past shoots that I've done, a lot of them are local, female owned, uh, the makeup artist that I've collaborated with and worked with in the past, she is Asian American. So it kind of becomes this thing where it's more than a test shoot now. It's a way for everyone to have their moment to be part of this creative project. And as a photographer, you know, for a very long time, I thought that I was just going to like stand there and shoot. But as I've talked to different agencies, I've talked to more experienced photographers, you kind of tend to see that's become like a team sport. And your team can consist of a hair, makeup, stylist, and things like that, just to like make this vision come to life. And you become more of a, more than a photographer, you've kind of just become this, you know, like you said earlier, like a visual storyteller. So it's been a very interesting journey. My process is ever-changing. You know, my process this year might not be my process next year. And that's really the most exciting part because it keeps me in my toes. It, it keeps me wondering, okay, like what worked in 2017 might not work in 2020. Or what's working for 2020 is definitely not going to work in 2021. I, I like how you address that part, especially with the fact that um, you, you've been growing ever since you started what was it like about four years ago right Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of just like 
you're you're essentially learning from like each experience with all that and it's like you you can't be stagnant as an artist like in any form because it's just like oh you're kind of just doing the same thing and it might eventually burn you out if like you're doing that but one thing that i do i'm curious about like i'm not sure if it this contributes to like the style of like your photography but it seems like there's a lot of like community building with like doing like these shoots and everything i wouldn't have thought that for like photography but like the way that you're speaking about it it's like oh you're holding a lot of space for people like in the community that like may want to do makeup or like want to contribute to their like clothing brand for this shoot and it's just like wow this is like legit community building but it's just a different like way of viewing it absolutely and i think that's something as photographers it's weird because when i started off photography i thought it was a very like solitary creative style and you can kind of see that like with travel photographers with photographers that are more in like the fine arts and things like that street photographers are usually kind of um, it's a very individual thing but because I'm choosing to be in the fashion brands and business industry you kind of realize that you can't do things on your own as much as I want to be you know the makeup artist the hairstylist the um, wardrobe creative director I can only handle so much. And if I know that there is an expert in another field that I could help highlight with, you know, that test shoot and also help me with, you know, my portfolio and my growth, then why not bring them in? Why not bring them into the table? There's plenty of room for creatives to thrive in one project. For me, when I do test shoots for example it's a it's a puzzle you know it's it's kind of like playing really funny dress up in a way you know but you've come to learn that there are some aspects of playing dress up that you might not be good at and I'm not good with makeup I don't do hair very well um I've come to style my own shoots but there are some photo shoots in you know my vision board that I was like I can't I can't do that. I don't have access to that. Then yeah, I'm going to bring a stylist in. And that's just kind of, you know, humbling yourself and realizing that creative projects aren't usually a one person thing. It's a team thing. It's like sport. <laughs> oh, it's almost like these shoots are also like, they're also kind of like mini sporting events or just events in general. Cause it's like everyone is bringing their own little flair to the table. Like, it's it's kind of just like oh yeah it, if you're talking about something like a night market like you need someone that knows how to manage like I don't know like first aid or someone that's managing security or someone that's managing like food but then when you're taking it into or you like you're looking at the parallels for like a photo shoot it's like well yeah you need someone to do the makeup you need someone to like help out with the clothes you need someone to actually like handle lighting you need you especially need someone to do like the photos and everything so it's just like wow there's so many different like puzzle pieces like you were saying like it, it just makes sense at the end of the day that it's like it's it's like that yeah absolutely and you know because I started photography you know at a very early age now that I'm viewing photography as a business or as a more of a creative tool you just tend to realize that you know you realize more and more that visions come to life with the help of other people. Like, yeah, you can be the main visionary for it. You could be the, the brainchild behind it, but you can't do it on your own. And that's kind of the great thing about photography for me is I have an amazing network of makeup artists. I have an amazing network of local boutiques, of studios, of you know, fashion designers. And, you know, I always try to use what I have in my arsenal to help others. And if that's, you know, bringing them in, if that's having them, you know, wear a coat for a model for a test shoot, you know, at least that brings in a little bit of visibility for them that, you know, I can't provide monetarily. 
which I think is very important right now. You know, everyone is a little bit strapped for cash, but it's very easy to provide visibility in even like the simplest of ways. And I use it in my projects and mm. um, you can see it in some of the shoots that I've done um, where most of the time, if you can't afford a stylist, like I can't, unfortunately, um, I style my own shoots. So I go to the, my own boutiques. I, you know, even dig in my own closet and be like, hey, what random, you know, cool statement coat do I have that will fit with the mood board that I gave to the agent? Um, so that becomes, you know, a power of marketing where it's like, oh, yay, like I use so-and-so's coat for this test shoot hey, here's her Instagram, make sure you tag them. And, you know, just that creates that ripple effect that I think even got me to be in this podcast today. <laughs> um, so yeah. Oh, I, I love that. Again, that goes with the whole community building thing. But I, I wanted to go into the next topic. But first, like, sure. one of the things you brought up, it sounded like it should have been like on a shirt, like there was a quote that you said, or like, this kind of like hot like word or word phrase that you're saying them just trying to remember something about like visionary visionaries coming to like life or something I don't remember the exact words but it sounds like it should be on a shirt <laughs> you can probably like rewind it later when you listen to it um but you know like visions that come to life you you can't do it on your own as much as that was it that was yeah, it for sure there you go perfect um and you know like in the past like past Hannah would not think that way you know and I think it, it was a very individual individualistic way of thinking where I was like oh I can only survive by myself in this industry but I think what's been so great about growth and growing within you know getting to know your business and your art and where you want it to go <clears throat> you start being open to help you start being open to connections and community, which is just proving to be, you know, way more important than ever. Mm. I think going back to like one thing you were saying with the previous topic, um, it had to do with the fact that especially during these times, like people are struggling. So it is even more important to like get that extra kind of help and everything. So I am curious, this does go into like the next topic and everything, but what are some difficulties you've encountered? Uh, what are some difficulties you've encountered in your craft, if any? Um, difficulties mainly has been where I want my, my photography to go. So when I started off my photography side hustle, I'm <clears throat> sorry, business, what have you. Um, I was in weddings and engagements. And it was because in my eyes, weddings and engagements were the fastest way to get money. And as time went on, you know, I, I had a good, you know, good handful of weddings, amazing couples that I worked with. But it was proving to be <clears throat> more of an emotional labor than a, a financial asset. And having to sit with that and think, okay, well, yes, it's giving me my, you know, my source of income, but it's not making me happy anymore. And it's actually making me even resent being a photographer. Something has to change. And then making that decision was, you know, a, kind of like a very interesting moment. And even when I talk to people and let them know, oh, I do, don't do weddings anymore, their eyebrows raise. They're like, wow, like at all? Um because they know, they know the um, financial success behind weddings and engagements. But I'm leaning towards, you know, a, a side of photography that is a little bit of a steeper hill, but is giving me the most joy. So that was kind of like a, a big block artistically. And, you know, I think a second big block, and this is something that a lot of people come across when you become a creative, is just, you know, constantly having to give yourself the self-confidence that you're, you're a creative person. Um, I think some people coin it as imposter syndrome, where you, you think that you're a fraud, 
And that's something that you just think about time and time again, you know, even when you're in kind of in the comfort of your home, you're thinking, am I really creative enough? Is this really something that people are going to like, you know, resonate with and, you know, really want to be part of. So that has also been kind of like a mental block in a way, but I think it's something that a lot of folks can relate to, not just as a creative person, but in different aspects of their life, thinking that they're not enough, but in reality, they're more than enough. And that's kind of a lot of things for me personally, in terms of like self affirmations, and just, you know, telling myself that I'm in the right path that I'm at right now, because that's just where I'm supposed to be. Um, And in terms of, you know, like financial, artistic blocks, Photography is a very, very saturated industry, especially right now when there is the proper technology for people to feel like they are a photographer themselves. So that has also been um, a very interesting challenge. I don't think of it as a block. I think of it as a challenge. You know, I'm all for people picking up their iPhone 11s and taking the best photos for them. But um having to kind of like sell yourself in a way that yes, you can become that photographer, but I can come in and I can give you a really great story. So that has also been a very interesting challenge in terms of artistic blocks. Ooh, so many like big points out there. And I guess for the the first point that you address, it seems like it was a difference between or like it was a I'm not, I'm trying to find the words for it, but it's like you you were trying to differentiate what was sparking joy and what wasn't. It's like you kind of needed to find like your niche to be happy doing something that does bring you joy because it's like, oh yeah, money is important and everything, but it's like, is, is that like really the most important thing for you? Like, was that the main battle that was really going with that? Absolutely. And I think it comes with, um, because I'm choosing to be a photographer, you kind of have to have the financial backing in certain circles. In certain circles, I mean family. Um, and for the most part, having to defend the path that you're in often correlates on how much money you can bring into the table. That makes sense. Um, oh, yeah. And having to come to terms with I'm in this path because it will make me money but it also makes me happy I think that's a very um rebellious way of thinking for certain immigrant families and that's something that I will always try to go towards now moving forward um because I think time and time again I have fallen into the same cycle of appeasing family members in order for them to be happy to save face and things like that. And, you know, I'm reaching a point in my life where I don't want to save your face. I want to save my face. Mm. And I want to make sure that the legacy that I'm going to bring to, you know, if I'm ever blessed with children is I was able to make my own path and make it my own. So you can too, Um, which really would, hopefully change the immigrant story moving forward for myself. That intersection is so important because when it comes to like here in the States, like we're, we're basically ruled by like capital capitalism in the sense that, Oh, you always have to be hustling, but it's like, why not actually love the career you're doing or the path that you're taking along the way too? Cause it's like, if you're going to be doing this for a while, you might as well love it at the same time. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's funny because I think it's also not just a capitalistic way of thinking, but a colonial way of thinking. I was going through my Instagram stories and I heard this from someone, and I'm so sorry that I'm, the name is escaping me. But the idea of product is a capitalist and colonial way of thinking. You know, you produce in order to survive. That's no longer, that shouldn't be the way of thinking, at least that's what I think. 
you know, you, you produce in order to sustain yourself, sustain your family, to create a legacy. You survive because you have to, you're human. But, you know, capitalism and colonialism, there's just like this go, go, go mentality. And, you know, I was, I was like that too for a very long time. Hustle culture is very real and much more real when you're a creative person. You, you always worry about where the next gig is coming from. What's the next move? And I think that's kind of what this quarantine pandemic self-isolation has been showing is we, we as, a, as a global community have been working on a certain mentality that was running us to the bone. And then it had to take this virus for us to see that. And now it's up to us to kind of have this fork on the road. What's going to happen afterwards? Are we going to just keep going and just running ourselves to dust, essentially? Or are we actually going to feed our inner selves and, you know, sustain financially, but also be as healthy and, you know, the highest version of yourself? It's definitely weird to think this because if it wasn't for this pandemic and the stay-at-home order, it's like we in this like situation, uh, we were put in a moment where we couldn't escape what was going on with our minds and what was going on with like hustle culture and just like everything that's going on right now. It's like we we needed like this mental, emotional, physical, and like financial like break for a bit to understand what was really going on and it's like it's it's worth to be thankful for this quarantine for that to happen but it's like that that's really the truth of it all yeah i think in it's not weird to be grateful i think i recently have been operating on a state of gratefulness now I'm grateful to be safe. I'm grateful that my family and my loved ones are safe. I'm grateful that my community, despite its challenges, is thriving and growing. And having that state of gratefulness, I think, keeps you motivated to fight for a better future. And as much as there are things to grieve about, you know, so many people have passed away from this virus. We're going, you know, we're undergoing this racial undertaking that is definitely going to be in the history books. You know, you know, the future generations will read about this. And trying to figure out what you were doing at this time. Were you, were you scared? Were you terrified? Or were you grateful and just motivated to get to the next day? And I want to be in that mentality of just being really really grateful with what I have and just waking up the next day and I was like okay let's do better today let's make this 24 hours better and closer to you know where we want to be oh I I like that a lot because personally that's what I've been doing especially one thing I've been trying to do a lot more often is giving myself or doing more self-affirmation during these times because it's like I mean going back to the whole imposter syndrome thing like before this I was like questioning just a lot of things and just like the industry that I'm working in it's just like oh am I enough for all of this but then again with this whole pandemic it's like you you couldn't really escape it so it's like I really needed to ground myself in the sense that well yeah I'm definitely capable of like doing all of this it's just we're in this situation where it's like it's kind of harder to like shine doing that but it's it, but it's definitely okay to take a break from that like once in a while mm-hmm. I mean, self-doubt, it comes with the process. It's what makes you human. You know, it, it allows you to reflect on what you've done, what you're currently doing, and what you, you can do more. And, like, I, oh, whew, I drank coffee and went the wrong pipe. Sorry. Um, you know, with... With self-doubt and imposter syndrome, I'm I'm very happy that we're actually having this conversation and people are kind of like shedding light into it because I think a lot of people think it in the back of their minds. And then now that there's this conversation where it's allowing you to be okay to feel this these things, but also what are you going to do about it? 
you know, like I fall into it all the time. I, you know, it, it comes as a creative person where you, you show yourself and you show your art and it's kind of like at the mercy of the algorithm. Um, it comes with talking to family members and them asking me how I'm doing. It comes with, you know, high school friends and seeing where our paths have taken us. You know, it, the self-doubt is just kind of like always there. But what I'm learning is just, yeah, it's there, but what are you going to do about it? Are you going to like keep feeding it? Are you going to say, okay, you've had your moment. Now, now we're done. We're going to move on. And I'm always in the, okay, okay, let me just like cry for two seconds. Let me listen to a sad K-drama and we're good. <laughs> it's like you're, you're essentially like reclaiming that, that you're reclaiming the strength that you know you have when it comes to like your art forms. It's like, oh, you know that you're, you're dope when it comes to like doing the things that you do. It's just that little moment of, or like that thing, like you were saying, like it's in the back of your head, like it's still... For me personally, I think it's still going to continue to exist, but it's like there's a lot more emotional regulation that we're capable of doing to make sure that we don't fall into that trap of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's just, you know, having that mental discipline of acknowledging it and then moving on. You know, I've one of the very interesting things that has happened during this quarantine is I've really taken meditation a little bit seriously. Before, I never really liked it. I was the type that like would open my eyes. I wasn't sure what was going on. But because I'm in close quarters and because I'm kind of like sometimes left with my own thoughts, you know, meditation has kind of helped regulate it. You know, like I think of you know, my negative, my negative thoughts is just like, okay, you're gonna sit there, but you're gonna go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I definitely credit that with like meditating. And, you know, I wish I can do it more. I kind of like do it on and off still. But in the times that I've, you know, done meditation, it's been a really great mental exercise that I carry over to, you know, any endeavor that I'm doing, whether it be with freelancing, whether it be, you know, working in a professional setting and even working with, you know, my family and things like that. Oh, I don't know. Have you seen Korra? Because I'm about to like reference something and it just sounds like there's this one instance that just reminds me of it. But have you seen it at all? Like Legend of Korra? Yeah. I, okay. So I watched it, but I think I was like in that haze of college where it was just like going really fast so I feel like I have to revisit Korra but I have to finish Avatar first um I try to take it slow I don't want to binge watch Avatar because I think it's one of the best cinematic um television series ever and I will fight it's anyone just, who thinks otherwise <laughs> no 100% it's like Mark Hamill even said this like this show was way too complicated for like it was too good for television but the reference I wanted to do was like th there was an instance where Korra was having like some difficulties with meditation but that was like all I was gonna say it's kind of just like oh you found your way to make it work for yourself and it's just like oh it is it's like a lot better for you now that you're doing that I just wanted to like do that little I I've been obsessed with like Cora lately so I'm just trying to like reference it wherever I go I mean I love her I think when I first watched Legend of Cora, I was like I don't know why everyone doesn't like her she's she's literally She's like the the opposite side of the coin. Like where Aang was like young and, you know, had to grow into himself and had to power through the trauma that he had. And then Korra was like the opposite where she was like, I'm doing well. But in reality, you know, she still had much to learn. Um, oh, I might just do a whole episode on this because I could go on for like, I could go on for days with just Korra alone. You should do it. Hashtag Korasami. She's great. They're great. Yo, bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so switching, like kind of switching gears a little bit, we've reached our like mid-segment um, question. So I usually do this because I want to know what people want for like the future in terms of like their artistry and everything. So I am very curious. Is there like a dream project that you want to work on or is there a project that you're already working towards? I want to work in 
the editorial industry more. And this is, you know, this is definitely like a 2025, 2030 goal is to, you know, have photography assignments that will invoke um, critical thinking. Um, I don't really have like a dream project, but I have like dream subjects. Um, Like I would love to photograph, um, well, would have had loved to have photographed Chadwick Boseman. Um, I would have loved to photograph um, Michelle Obama. Um, Not because of just like photographing her, but like just being in her presence. Um, A lot of the times with photography, it's really a very interesting way of talking to people. You know, you try to get the best angles and the most confident and comfortable um, image that you could get from a person. That can be really personal. Um, So having to, you know, photograph very prominent figures and just talking to them, just kind of like bathing in their presence um, and having the opportunity to take, you know, a a snapshot of their image, like that would be a dream. Uh, Oh, it's kind of just like, how can you see them like vulnerable in this kind of sense? Like, it, it just makes me wonder, like, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman and everything. But it's like, how can have you, how might have you been able to like capture like his vulnerability in that moment and same thing goes for like michelle obama hopefully cross crossing fingers if for that to happen and everything it's like how can you like how can you bring out like the most michelle obama like in that moment and it's just like wow it it just makes you think about like I, I don't know just going back to this whole vulnerability thing it just makes you wonder like what you'll be seeing with that person and it goes beyond vulnerability, you know, I, I also, I think, as like, maybe like a future project or things like that, like, I want to document joy, um, black joy, um, female joy, transgender, trans, transgender joy, just happiness in general. Um, a lot of very prominent images are often not the happiest they're like very serious very like contemplative but there's just something like a a very childlike wonder when you see someone just look so happy and then you photograph it and you capture it you know so maybe just like a project with joy that has michelle obama that would be great (laughs) no let's just hope that those two projects will like intersect like very very soon (laughs) or at least once this pandemic is over yeah, yeah, that's true. On a more superficial like standpoint, I would love to photograph BTS. That's just me. Oh, bet. I love BTS. <laughs> um, yeah, just I think it's it's very important for me to really document things that are like at the happiest of people. And if I, you know, somehow if you know the stars and planets align, if I get a project where the pitch is you just have to photograph the happiest people in the world that'd be great <laughs> that'd be wonderful no because it, it that kind of thing just makes me think because like with all the clips that like you've mainly your roommate has been posting on like their like ig story and like yours too it's just like bts is so like happy like what if that is like the next thing like manifesting that maybe like with the right connections like you never know it's like the, these guys are like super happy and it's just like what if this was like you're, you're taking photos like behind the scenes of them it's just like wow just thinking about that well yeah I mean if I let myself really truly dream like you know photographing any prominent figure at their happiest because I think we deserve to see images of people at their happiest we have been hit with so much sadness and grief and fear and terror where it's just like as a photographer we we are we are destined to document things whether it be documenting real events whether it be you know representing a brand but to document like pure unadulterated joy 
I just think it's so rare given, you know, the current events. So, you know, if we get out of this and, you know, the the brief and the the goal is to just like photograph happy people all over the world, prominent people or even just like people that are, you know, across different countries, like that would be a great project for me. Ooh, I'm excited for when this does happen because it's like there, there needs to be like I mean yes it's important to address like everything that's going on but it's like you also need to get get some like joy once in a while and I feel like people will resonate from that once like this uh, takes off yeah but yes that would be a dream not so much like a dream project but just you know a dream documentation in a way mm. um, Plus, one of my Filipino names is Joy, so might as well utilize that. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, you're bringing like the Joy to photography, like that's gonna be sure. like, a, another thing. <laughs> sure, that's why gonna be not? The side project name. Yeah, yeah, aspects of Joy. Sure, and it's also like my name. <laughs> it's like a whole different uh, layer and everything, but <laughs> switching gears just a little bit since. We are talking about like quarantine and everything. Like one mm-hmm. of the biggest things that you've done like as of late is your like how you do in podcasts. Like how mm-hmm. did that start exactly? Like what made you want to start um, doing like this podcast? So this project or podcast, I interchange it because I don't really know what it is yet. Um, it kind of came from this thread of thinking that I had where in the beginning of the pandemic I think everyone was just really obsessed with people and what they were doing you know there was the bread trend there was the cooking trend there was you know all of these things where people were showing what they were doing to keep themselves occupied during the time that you know we were inside more inside technically we should be more inside Anyways, um, so, you know, we were having all of these Zoom events where people are like, what are you doing? What are you drinking? What are you consuming? Um, What are you listening to? But we never talked about how we were doing. It was something where we were cloaking how we were doing with what we were doing. And... That was just something that I, like, thought about and, like, ran with it. It's like, I wonder how are people handling these things? How are people that are in the healthcare field, that are teachers, that are freelancers like me, or, you know, someone that has, like, a regular 9 to 5, you know, how are they coping through all of this? So that's kind of, like, where the thought process behind it was, like, birthed from. And... I started off actually back in May. So a lot of my episodes um, were pre-recorded back in May. And there was actually a point where I thought I would never even kind of air this, these conversations that I had with people. Because I was like, oh, like it was back in May. It's now July. Things will be better by July, right? <laughs> um plot twist things are still not okay (laughs) and we're in September and a lot of the topics that I was talking about with people still very much resonate with right now so come July so parts of August I was like well it's either I'm going to air this and see where it's gonna go or it's just going to be you know really valuable conversations with people that I care about And of course, as you can see, it became the latter. Um, I'm now about, I think, five, six episodes in, and then I have a few more to go, and then it'll be another kind of interesting fork of, like, do I keep going? Or was it just kind of, like, this fun one-time thing that I could just, you know, check off my list? Don't know that yet, so we'll see. Well, I didn't realize how far back you had content, and it's just like, whoa, this is... I mean that's that's totally valid because like we never knew where we were gonna go, but like 
I guess just addressing the whole thing of like your podcast and everything, I feel like that's so important to address. I, I see this like I see this um meme like a lot in YouTube comments, especially during like Infinity War. They were asking like I think this was a scene when they were like in the ship and like the Guardians and the Avengers were meeting and they were saying like like where's Gamora? Why or like who's Gamora? And then Drax is like, Why is Gamora? But no one's asking how's Gamora? And it's just yeah. like this is literally what that is. It's like you're actually asking people how they're actually doing because that question as much as like yeah, it is it does get asked like once in a while, but it doesn't get asked enough. Or at least that's how I see it. I mean it it does get asked enough. I think it's just the willingness of the other person to be open about it. And I've been very fortunate that the people that I've reached out to are open to talk about how they're doing. And I think that's why, you know, if I ever decide to move this forward after the set of episodes that I have, you know, it it will still be in that same kind of mindset where I choose people that I feel will be very open to talk about how they're doing. It's never going to be random. It's never going to be like someone that I, you know, picked out of like a, a bowl or a magic hat or anything. It's going to mm. be people that I think are open to sharing their story because not everyone will be open with how they're doing and that's fine. You know, some people will, you know, will, will have it in like a more private matter and I would never want to drag someone out if they're uncomfortable. So the folks that like I've reached out to, like they've been great. Um, and it's, it's been a really interesting process as well because a lot of the content that I'm posting, I haven't really listened to since the first time that I had that conversation. So, you know, knowing what they're actually doing now and how they're actually doing now is like just like a fun little growth thing. Um, one example is one of my first guests, um, photographer Leslie Cologne. You know, we, we talk very, you know, frequently. And when we both listened back to her episode, we were both like, we don't sound like that anymore. Because <laughs> um, back in May, there was like this, you know, kind of like layer of fear and uncertainty. And then fast forward now to September, there's still like that layer of fear. But now there's like this um, kind of assuredness of like, yeah, we're scared, but we're going to keep trying. So who knows, maybe I'll do a, you know, a brief segment where I reach back to people and see how they're doing now. Um, oh, it's like little check-ins like back there. It's like, I, I like how you address like the whole pre-recorded thing because it's like you kind of get to look back and you could see like how the growth has been from like May to right now. And doing mm -hmm. that check-in is like another layer of that. Yeah. And conversely, what is still happening? You know, my most recent episode was with a teacher and then we, we talked online or offline, I mean, and we were like, it feels like Groundhog Day because you're going through the same exact thing. It's just, it's now September and not May. So it also kind of shows what is still stagnant in, you know, in our current timeline, I guess. Ooh, I actually still have to listen to that episode because, man, school just started for, like, a lot of people, and I just mm -hmm. need to, like, I need to hear some, like, teacher perspective on this. That was but, great. yeah, going... Oh, oh, no, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Um, he's an English teacher, and I have a special, like, place in my heart for, for English teachers. So um, it was a really great conversation, and just circling back and just kind of, like, laughing about how it's still the same. We're still going through this. And, you know, we, it's like this weird groundhog day scenario where it's like you wake up and you, you hope that there's like a change and there is sometimes change, but it's like not in a great, great path. Um, but then, you know, like you can still see like which, which places are still stagnant and which places are still stuck. Mm. Okay. With that, with that being said, I mean, I'm kind of just, like, 
taking like your your podcast like um phrase and everything but how are you doing with like this like with everything that's going on like with the whole um pandemic and everything like having to adjust to like how things are going on like how have you been able to adjust with like all your artistry sure um how have I been doing I think it's it's been a very interesting few months you know I started off this pandemic with a full-time job and not doing anything photo related um it was definitely like in a back burner and fast forward to now I'm not in my full-time job and revisiting creativity in a way that is not normal you know if I were to go back to freelancing and we were still you know not in a pandemic timeline I would be conducting business in a different way so now you know that there's the restrictions of a pandemic and there's also the possibilities of growth during a pandemic it's been a very kind of introspective experience for me where I'm not just going back to photos I'm also going back to being creative all over again um on a more like superficial standpoint um I'm doing well I'm healthy I have a great support system um you know, I'm definitely in a space where there's room for growth and to actually pay attention to that growth. So overall, it's been a very interesting and roller coaster experience, but mm. it's fine. Good. And I think just to like go into the last topic and everything, I think you might have mentioned it, but just yeah. to get that like extra reminder and everything, like what what is something you want your audience to get out of like the craft you put out whether it be photography content marketing or even just your podcast like what do you want to you what do you want your target audience to get out of the things that you do you know it's it's interesting because you know with photography that's one target market with content marketing that's one target content and then with podcasting there's like one that target that, that one target audience but I think to just kind of like bring them all together has been like a very interesting experience because they're all different and they're all the same in their own way. But I think what I would like them to get out of it is just, you know, there's nothing that will prevent you from starting whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter if there's a pandemic going on it doesn't matter if you have, you know, mental struggles. If you, if you think that you have an idea, if you think you have a project that will make you the happiest and will give you the most joy at this time, just start it. You don't have to start off with a bang. It can start with a whisper. And it can also just start within yourself. It can start within your small group of people, with your family, with your community. You don't have to be super famous to start a project. You just have to be you. And that, I think, is hopefully people can take away with any of my creative endeavors. Um, and also to just, you know, lean into your community. I owe a lot of my photography work with the connections and community leaders that I've come to know and, you know, be friends with and be peers with. And as much as I do have the artistic background and technological background with photography, I won't be where I'm at today without the people that had helped me go up those steps. I think you might have actually touched upon that advice section since we're getting towards the end. And that question was, what is what is some advice you can give to someone that is starting their craft, whatever discipline that may be? But I think you touched upon that with just just starting it. Like, it again, it doesn't have to be something that's, like, the best or, like, the most, like, viral or whatever. It's just, like, it just has to be something that you resonate with, something that 
you could feel like the most authentic with and also goes back to the whole community too especially since like that's where a lot of the support is it's like you have people like gassing you up empowering you to continue like whatever this craft is mm-hmm. um yeah i think like you said i touched upon it already but in terms of you know starting your own craft if you're starting from scratch you know just do as much research as you can be as well-versed and excited and encouraged with whatever craft you want to do. So if you want to say, for example, you know, start embroidery, then, you know, look up, you know, embroidery accounts and see their process, like be a sponge. And that's something that I think you can take as a beginner in your craft. And also if you're more experienced is just, there's, there's always going to be room for learning. There's always going to be room for growing. And if you can absorb that information and pass it on to others, um, that just keeps the craft alive. Um, I'm not one to guard information. I think there's no need to. There's Google, but there's also different people that are open to talking about you know, how things are made. And there's a, there's an importance in that, just like keeping things alive. Um, Other points of advice there, it's okay to have doubts, but just, you know, do something about it, you know, confront it, and come to terms with it, and then grow from it. And don't be afraid to, to ask, you know, it's very, it's, it's not the end of the world to say you don't know because then you you have the ability to want to know and get to know. So yeah, ask questions. You know, reach out to people. Reach out to folks that you know will be invested in your growth. I think that's also some advice that I need to take moving forward despite the fact that I've been doing like all different crafts for like a while it's just it gets me back to this kind of grounding thing where like I have to go back to that foundational aspect of just like asking questions trying to learn a little bit more being more a student of life when it comes to those things and I feel like that's so important especially for people that are well I mean for people that have been doing it for a while but also for people that are starting with whatever craft that they're doing but I I love that advice so much and I really appreciate you for giving that. And I'm sure someone will resonate with that for sure. Yeah. And, you know, for whoever is listening, um, my internet DMs are open. My emails are open. Um, I'm always really excited to talk about things, um, whether it be photo related, pop culture related, K-pop related, um, anything that, I could provide to, you know, further someone's growth or to, you know, increase someone's interest in something, then, you know, that's always pretty good. And, you know, like I'm a freelancer and it can be a very lonely process, can be a very lonely time. And it's always good to just like talk to people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but that's, that can be a whole other podcast. (laughs) Really? Okay, but. But with that being said, what are like plugs people could reach you at? So like you could get that like conversation going on and that knowledge passing down. Sure. Um, the easiest that you could probably reach me is through my Instagram. Um, my Instagram is instagram.com forward slash hbphotos.co. Um, my, my personal Instagram is also open. So it's just my name, Hannah Bernabe. Uh, you can reach me by, you know, those avenues are pretty much like the quickest, I think, that you could reach me. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Is there any like lasting shout outs you want to give out or any lasting thoughts before we end off this episode? Um, lasting shout outs. Um, many, many thanks to people in the community that have either helped me through my journey and are helping me currently 
there's way too many of you all to mention. Um, shout out to all of my clients that have believed in me in the few years, the agencies that have given me the opportunity to shoot with their models, my models. Thank you all. I love them all. They're all the greatest people in the world. Um, yeah, that's it. Shout out to family, cool. friends. <laughs> yeah. I love all that. And thank you so much for creating like a really good vibe for this episode. This so far, like all the episodes have been amazing. And thank you for contributing to that. Yay. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. And with that being said, thank you all for listening to this third episode of the Philippine X American Stories podcast. There will be more amazing guests like Anna in the near future. So make sure to stay tuned with all the episodes that are going to be coming through for the rest of the year. So thank you all again for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.